Hi, everyone. I'm Chris Katolka, host of the Friends of Israel Today, and it's hard to believe, but 2017 is already coming to a close. And as you're considering your year-end gift, would you remember the radio ministry of the Friends of Israel? Your donation keeps the Friends of Israel Today on the air and allows us to continue teaching biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah as we stand alongside our Jewish friends. Visit foiradio.org, and there you'll find the donate link, or you can mail your gift to P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Also, let us know where you're listening when you contact us, and thank you. Thank you for your prayers and continual support of our radio ministry. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. Today we're getting back into our series, Eden to Eden, God's Relentless Pursuit of Us. From the scriptures, Chris has been sharing with us how God's unfolding story is all about his desire to bring you and I back to the Garden of Eden. Steve, God's relentless pursuit to bring us back to Eden is intrinsic to his nature. And today we're going to talk about God's pursuit of us through his promises and how this faithfulness that he has to fulfill these promises is what is pursuing us back to Eden. Now, if you're just tuning into this series, I I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org to listen to our last two episodes so you can catch up. Last week's episode answered the question, why would God pursue us? You know, after Adam and Eve sinned and completely disobeyed God uh, in the Garden of Eden, why would God bother to pursue them? Why would God pursue us even today despite the sin in our lives? And what we found from the scriptures is that God is omnibenevolent. He is perfectly good. And in his perfect goodness, he can't help but to pursue us, to provide a way for us to be with him again. But how do we know God won't give up? How do we know God is going to remain invested in his relentless pursuit of us? I mean, it wasn't just Adam and Eve who broke the special relationship they had with the Lord. You know, their sin was transmitted to everyone. We're all sinful. We all in some way took a bite from that forbidden fruit, disobeying our creator. And and after a while, wouldn't the perfect and holy God get tired and frustrated of constantly dealing with the troublesome people that followed their own desires, the desires of their own hearts instead of following him? Now, as we saw last week, a part of God's perfect goodness and nature is that he is long-suffering. So praise the Lord, praise God. But I believe God did even more to show us that he's pursuing us back to the garden. Folks, God made an unbreakable promise. God made a covenant to bring us back. And this promise is so unique because it's not a promise directed to the whole world per se. It's a promise God made to one man. And what God would do through that one man and his family would have eternal consequences for the whole world. And the man is Abraham. Abraham's faith, coupled with God's covenant promise, is what made all this possible. In Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, God said to Abraham, and his name was Abram then, but he said this in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram took God at his word. God said to Abraham, I will give you land. That's Israel. I will make you a great nation. That means Abraham will have children and his children will have more children and they'll keep multiplying and become a great nation. And God will make Abraham's name great. And his name will be a blessing every time you hear it. And just think about how how relevant that is, that even today, 4,000 years after this story took place in Genesis chapter 12, we are still here talking about Abraham and the blessing that he was and is to the whole world. Abraham is such an important figure in the Bible. And God is saying, you will be blessed. And and Abraham, anybody who blesses you, I'm going to bless. But anybody who curses you will be cursed. And, And here's where you fit in, my friends. Listen to what God says. Through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This one promise In this one covenant, God will bring blessing to all mankind. Through God's pursuit of this one man, Abraham, God is reaching out to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. God would seal this covenant and make it official in Genesis chapter 15 when God says to Abraham, To your offspring I give this land, again that's Israel, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. This is big. It's, it's not just Abraham who God would use to bless, uh, bring blessing to the whole world. It would be all of his descendants. That's Isaac. That's Jacob. That's the 12 sons of Jacob and the sons of Israel. The Jewish people would bring the blessing of God into the world. As God pursues Israel, think about this, as God pursues Israel to use them as a form and tool of blessing, what is he ultimately doing? He's doing it to pursue us, the world. And I want you to see why this covenant is a sign that as God pursued Israel, he was pursuing us. See, Israel's story in the Bible It isn't always rainbows and butterflies, and you don't have to be a scholar to know that. It's full of some serious spiritual ups and downs. Uh, There are a few moments in Israel's history where they exhibit the same faith Abraham did when he left his homeland. But much of Israel's history is their departure from following the Lord. And if someone leaves a relationship like Israel would leave God over and over again— You would almost expect God to say, sayonara, I I don't have to deal with this kind of relationship. It's broken and we're over. But watch what God says to Israel later in their history. Even in the midst of their continual disobedience, God says in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 23, but the Lord had mercy on them 
That's Israel. The Lord had mercy on Israel and felt pity for them. And he extended his favor to them. Why? Because of the promise he had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has been unwilling to destroy them or remove them from his presence to this very day. Did you hear it? It was the covenant God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that compelled him to stay in the relationship with Israel. Because God, by pursuing Israel, he is essentially pursuing the world. He understands that this covenant he made with Abraham impacts the way he will relate with everyone in the world. How is a covenant a form of God's relentless pursuit? This is a question we have to ask ourselves because if I'm arguing to you that God is relentlessly pursuing us back to the garden, that he's the one taking action, then then we have to seriously ask ourselves, is a covenant a form of this? Well, I, I really think it is. Listen, first, I think it shows that God is invested He's so invested, our holy God connected the covenant to his reputation. It's his name written on the dotted line. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. God staked his holy reputation on fulfilling the promise he made to Abraham, which, which reveals that God is invested in ultimately bringing us back to Eden. And you only really pursue what you're fully invested in. And, and I love this. God, there was nothing greater for God to, to connect this covenant to. There was nothing greater for him to back up this covenant other than his very own precious name his holy reputation. Another way uh, this covenant with Abraham is a form of God relentlessly pursuing us is that God is revealing his faithfulness to see this through. Even in the midst of Israel's sin, God wouldn't give up on his people. And this is important because it shows the God that we believe in is faithful and undeterred. He wants this to happen. My friends, the covenant God made with Abraham is vital to God's relentless pursuit to bring us back to Eden. Our God is a covenantal God, and it's through this covenant God will pursue us. It's the reason at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, it says this, this is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's Jesus the Messiah, that he is, look at the son of David and the son of Abraham. Friends, the covenant promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which was faithfully executed by God despite Israel's sin, finds its hope in Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah that has come to see Abraham's promise fulfilled. Jesus will one day rule over all the nations of the world from the city of Jerusalem as the king of Israel in the land of Israel. And just think about how amazing this is that God made a promise that through Abraham and his descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And here we are 2,000 years 
after Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, here you are believing in the Jewish Messiah, the one promised, a seed of Abraham who has blessed the whole world. Here I am living in New Jersey. Maybe you're listening somewhere throughout the United States or Canada, thousands of miles separated from Israel, 2,000 years after the fact, and you have been blessed by the Jewish Messiah because of a promise made to Abraham. And it's because of Jesus, it's because of him, that we are able to go back to Eden. Without the sacrifice of Christ, without the hope we have in him, there's no chance of getting back to the garden. It's the righteousness of Christ that enables us to stand in the presence of a holy and righteous God. That's why this promise is so important. And that's why this promise is a beautiful picture of the pursuit of God, the relentless pursuit of God to bring us back to Eden. When we read the scriptures, sometimes there can be a disconnect between our modern world and the world of the Bible. It's easy to forget that the authors were virtually all Jewish and that we worship a Jewish Messiah. And remember, Christianity is deeply rooted in Judaism. To the early church, Christianity was not a different religion from Judaism. It was the fulfillment of all that was written in the Law and the Prophets. The DVD entitled Jewish Roots of Christianity takes you to Jerusalem for eye-opening insights into the link between Judaism and Christianity. You can watch various interviews by Israeli Christians, including the Friends of Israel's very own Pastor Menno Kalisher, the son of Holocaust survivor Zvi Kalisher. To order your copy of the DVD, Jewish Roots of Christianity, go to foiradio.org or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Have you ever heard of Akedah? It's a Hebrew word that's associated in Judaism with the story of Abraham binding Isaac. And, and actually, Akedah means in Hebrew to bind. It, it's the word used when Abraham literally ties up Isaac to sacrifice him. Now remember, Abraham didn't want to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, Isaac was technically his only son from him and his wife, uh, the only one who could actually carry on Abraham's lineage and inherit the promise God made to Abraham, the one we just talked about in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15. So a lot was riding on Isaac. And Genesis chapter 22 opens with these words. Just listen to this. Sometime after these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will indicate to you. God was testing Abraham to see if, first, he trusted God, and second, if he believed in the covenant promise enough to believe that God would provide a son to fulfill the promise he had made to Abraham. Abraham took Isaac to the land of Moriah, and the text says this in Genesis chapter 22, verses 9 through 12. When they came to the place God had told 
him about. Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood on it. Next, he tied up his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife, and prepared to slaughter his son. But the Lord's angel called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Do not harm the boy, the angel said. Do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God because you did not withhold your son, your only son, from me. The covenant God made with Abraham was definitely set in motion, ratified in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15. But God wanted to test Abraham's faith in him to fulfill what he promised, what God promised. God wanted Abraham to give up his only son, the the son he loved, and the only one who could be an heir to the promise. And, And as you can see from the scriptures, Abraham's complete trust was in God. And the story ends with God providing a ram for the offering instead of, in place of, a substitute for his son. The beautiful picture seen here is that Abraham's trust in the Lord propels God's covenant forward. God will constantly fall back on Abraham's faith and Abraham's trust in him when Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, go spiritually astray. And think about this, the place Abraham took Isaac to be sacrificed is Moriah. Mount Moriah in the Old Testament, it is such a significant place and a place that matters for our series, Eden to Eden. About a thousand years after the binding of Isaac, the Akedah, King David bought the threshing floor from a Jebusite and built an altar to the Lord there in 2 Samuel chapter 24. After David's death, his son, King Solomon, built the first temple on the same site. The very presence of God dwelt with the people of Israel from atop Mount Moriah. But here's what's important to see. God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his only son, Isaac, on Moriah, and he provided a substitute. But it's on that same mountaintop God would sacrifice his only begotten son. It's on top of that mountain where God's presence dwelled in the temple where he gave his son, Jesus, the Messiah, so that we could have eternal life, everlasting life. And and do you know what it means in the gospel of John to have eternal life? It means walking side by side with God in his presence with nothing standing between us. No sin, no shame, no guilt, nothing, which is just another way of saying Eden. God sent his son, Jesus, to provide the way for us to get back to Eden. And that's what we see in Genesis chapter 22. And that's what we see in the gospels when Jesus was sacrificed and became our substitute, is that all of this, Eden, couldn't happen unless it all goes through the cross. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Exodus fifteen eleven. Not many people know this truth. Therefore, they live in constant fear. 
Others, however, are not anxious because they have put their trust in the Lord. I am among the latter group, and so I sleep well and am happy because I am sure of the one in whom I believe. While walking in Jerusalem one day, I met a man with whom I had served in the army in 1948, but had not seen since. Although we had both changed in physical appearance over thirty years, David's first words were, Zvi, you have not changed. You seem as happy as ever. He, however, seemed far from happy. Then he said, Come with me to a quiet place, and I will tell you why I am so unhappy. I replied, Come to my house. Then we can talk at length. After dinner, David said, I am sad and anxious, because two of my sons are in the army. I replied, I cannot understand that as a cause for your depression, for I have three sons in the army, all in combat units. How can you be so calm about it? he asked. I would like to know the secret of your happiness. I spoke to him of Psalm 3, about putting our trust in God. This is my secret for enduring troubles. David then asked, How can I trust in God when I have so many problems? I reminded him that even as Abraham was tempted and tried yet remain strong, so we must be strong to withstand the trials we face. You can do this, David, by putting your trust in the Lord our Savior, I told him. I explained that I too had once been unhappy and bitter and no longer wanted to live. However, since I have received the Lord, I have joy instead of despair. As David looked at the pictures of my sons, he asked himself, What is the matter with me? Finally, he asked me, Where did I go astray? Anticipating the question, I answered, First, you must realize that God is always ready to help us, and you can pray to him as it is written. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. I told him, God can help you. And now is the time. He was interested to know how I had come to believe as I do, and I was delighted to give him my testimony. And then I began to read the words of John 3.16, but he shouted, No, this is not the Bible. It is a Christian book, the New Testament. Read only from the Jewish scripture. I explained to him that the Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned not only in the New Testament, but also in the whole Bible. David lives far from Jerusalem, so we invited him to spend the night with us. This gave me further opportunity to witness to him, all the while praying that he would come to know the Lord and be as happy as we are. When he left our home the next day, he said, Thank you. I have a very special feeling within me now. I wish it could last. My dear brother, I said, this can't be yours forever. You now know my secret. As you have thanked me, be sure to thank the Lord as well. David departed from our home with much to consider. I pray his very special feeling will lead him to genuinely commit his life to God and that he will grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ.
A reminder, if you have not yet subscribed to Israel My Glory magazine, you can get a full year at no cost. We'll give you our contact information in a moment. Also, as mentioned, we are offering the DVD, Jewish Roots of Christianity. Chris will be in part four of Eden to Eden next week. Can you give us a glimpse into what you'll be talking about? Yeah, next week is all about God's pursuit of us through his presence in biblical history, that God was fighting through space, time, and even sin to be with his people. So you'll want to be sure to join us next weekend. Great. Thank you, Chris. To order your DVD or get your free subscription to Israel My Glory magazine, visit us at foiradio.org, foiradio.org, or call us at 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 